Episode 4, Stuck in a Boot. I'm joined by Jack McCautry to discuss what makes a tweet engaging, LinkedIn endorsements, and getting personal on social media. So how's your foot, Jack? Um, getting better, uh, just about. Um, it has been a very um, frustrating six weeks, um, stuck in a boot. And I feel that I've been... Not in the boot of a car. No. Um, Although, in actual fact, speaking of cars and boots, I feel like I've been transported from one box to another because um, I can't transport myself. So that's... Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell us what what happened? Why why were you wearing a boot? What was wrong with your foot? I am wearing a boot because um, I fractured my heel, um, like I said, about six weeks ago, jumping off a sun lounger whilst on holiday. Um, trying to do a good deed and rescue my girlfriend's book from a swimming pool, but <laughs> I didn't actually reach the swimming pool itself. But it's coming it's off tomorrow, so tomorrow yes. there's no more boots. No, and it'll feel like I've got all my freedom back, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers well, crossed. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed that goes well. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're fine otherwise. It's good good to have you here. Um, Al is uh, not with us um, this month. He um, has He's on paternity leave. Uh, his partner's had a, uh, a baby girl. Uh, it was a week um, last weekend. Um, so congratulations, Al. Um, really pleased for you. Hope paternity, um, the first two weeks are nice and pleasant because the, the next year is not going to be. Uh, he already knows he's already got a, a four-year-old now, I think. Hopefully I've got that right. Um, so congratulations. Hopefully that goes well to both Al and Jan. And I'm sure he'll be uh, telling us about that next month. Um, what have you been up to this um, recently, um, Jack? What, what's What's been up in your world? Um, well, considering I've been stuck in a boot, I haven't been um, able to get out and about as much as possible, which has been a little frustrating, but um, I've been able to do a lot of um, planning and thinking ahead in terms of um, how we can modify some of the my client strategies mm-hmm. um, using social media, and um, I've eventually got around to making some changes to my website. They have always been on that list that you add to and never sort of tick anything off. So I've been coming up with some ideas in terms of changing some of the content and putting some um, blogging plans together, which are a lot further down the track than they were six weeks ago, but I still want them to be a little bit further along. Um, And last week I did a faster business workshop in Gloucester, which was interesting, on um, the importance of social media strategy and trying to help people um, understand why they need one, but also how they put one together as well. That was that was quite interesting. There was a, a good number that came along there. Yeah, why um, was that held? Because I've is that, that was, the Growth Hub? Yeah, it was at the Growth Hub. It's the first one they've had um in Gloucester. So which was quite interesting because a lot of obviously me and you have done some workshops in um at the Business Solutions Center um in Hereford. Yeah. And it was quite interesting that a, a quite a large number of people actually came across over from Hereford to really? Gloucester. Yeah, I expected uh, sort of across the divide. Majority. Yeah, it was sort of, which, which was only interesting afterwards because they appear that they all knew each other. I thought, oh, okay, they must have come from the same sort of business community, being in Gloucester and um, sort of on the outskirts. But it was quite interesting that a, a high, certainly, I wouldn't say a high proportion, a higher number than I expected had come across. Um, so it was a good mix of businesses, and um, I think they all enjoyed it. We've mm-hmm. had some good feedback, so yes, it's, it was that was quite interesting actually. Think you also said that um, since not being able to transport yourself around and not finding it more difficult to go and see clients, I think you you found that perhaps you were more effective 
um, yes. working remotely, let's say. I mean, you've got yes. an office um, and you work with a small team, but you work remotely from clients a lot of the time. But maybe actually because you couldn't travel to them, you, um, the, with their understanding, they knew you could perhaps have, you'd mm -hmm. have to do more remote work. How did that work out? Was that was that positive? Um, there's, but yes, definitely positive. Um, there's hardly been any negatives because everyone could understand because I have a good relationship with people. But there, for me, there have been two um, two key positives that have come out from it. Um, firstly, in terms of actually interacting with the clients and talking with the clients. Um, we talk with our clients on a regular basis, especially the ones that we help with um, managing their accounts and um, sort of pushing them along with their strategy. So we're talking with them sort of on, certainly on a weekly basis, but we have a um, monthly meeting, which mm. I haven't been able to do. So over these last few weeks, it's actually been quite interesting that when a client doesn't know that you, you actually can't get there, you can't physically go and sit with them, um, our communication has to be um, has to be ramped up a little bit, but I, I, I felt that they've had to. They are aware, without me pushing them, they've got to put a bit more thought into um, the information they're going to provide with me and the questions that they're going to ask. Right, yeah. Also, at the same time, the information I'm giving them, because I know I'm not going to see them in the next week or fortnight, where I can sit with them. Um, in their office or in their working environment and demonstrate something or walk walk them through. Um, so that's been quite interesting because now there's probably been a couple of clients that I should have actually gone to see twice or we would usually have seen twice. Um, and because that, that sort of um, level of communication in terms of the in-depth type of information they have to sort of communicate with us, um, they seem quite they've taken to it quite easily. So mm. it's made me think, well, hang on a minute, we've had to do this because I've been forced to do this. Um, what else can we can we do with it in terms of what can we do in, in sort of in the future? Um, so that's been quite interesting, something I've never really encountered before because I like to spend a, a sort of a good deal of time with clients. Um, yeah, me too, it's, it's positive, but sometimes but you can- same I like to go and sit in front of them, mm. but now sort of, because of, I've been forced to do it, it's made me realise, thinking, well, hang on, perhaps we can do something. I wouldn't, we're not going to not remove, we're not going to remove um, going to visit them on a monthly basis, but perhaps how we do things a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, I think those constraints help, you know, whatever they are. For your case, it was a mobility constraint, but it could be any time constraint, ca um, cash constraint. I mm -hmm. think that can help um, make you think a little bit differently. That's good. And also um, the fact that we're not travelling to meetings all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's made me realise how much you can um, increase productivity. Um, how much time you get back sometimes as well. I mean, I, I find travelling quite nice because I like listening to podcasts. I love my podcasts, as most most clients know. Um, yeah. But that time when you're visit when you're you're driving, uh, that can actually be quite productive for that. But that's only because that's all I can do. There's no, I, yes. I can't do anything else with that time. Uh, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that sort of helped move things on, or at least change the way you think about it. Yes, well, certainly out of a, a negative experience, we've had some positives. Good. Always the way to think about it. So what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Oh, far too much. <laughs> it seems we've been on holiday over a couple of weekends, so we've taken a long weekend. I uh, had a Friday off, which means the week gets shorter, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. We're talking about constraints. That can sometimes help, but I don't like it all the time because while you can pack most of what you could do in five days, if you've got less time, you'll, you'll have to do it in four it, it's, it can be frustrating when that is um, two weeks in a row. Um, mm -hmm. 
but you know that's fine it's just like planning for holiday really and it's been very good and certainly very, very positive on the business front um uh we've got a couple more websites and some more uh, another coaching client another one trying to get hold of yeah. us today which is um i'm really pleased with i mean that's what you know i love i love speaking with clients i love talking with clients um obviously you know like the income but it's 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 the recognition really that um people like uh, and believe in you and and feel that you can you can help and support them and i i, I love that it makes makes me feel good and it's a bit soppy but it's it's nice um yeah. i also um and i've been doing a few different things one one of the one, something different and hopefully i'll put it into the edit i won't know because we're just recording this segment now but when when we come to when i come to do the editing what i'll do is i'll uh, put a little intro in place and then um i wanted a bit of incidental music to insert in between Okay, yeah. And I, I did all this in advance for the last episode, but we I couldn't get permission to use the bit of music I wanted, which was just perfect. Just because I couldn't get hold of the guy. Um, mm-hmm. Finally got permission, and it's um, it's called a goofy vocal groove, and hopefully you'll have heard it between the intro and, and starting this, this section. Um, goofy vocal groove. And I found it on Free Music Archive, which um, I think Alan and I have spoken about before. But yeah. this was for non-commercial use. So you could use it personally. But okay. for commercial use, you need to seek permission. So I took a while to find out who, who um, composed it. And it was a guy called Dave um, Gertzman. Um, got in touch with him, but he was away. He was busy. Um, but finally, we came up with um, an arrangement, um, uh, paid a small fee. Uh, he signed a letter. And we can use it now. It's a really, hopefully you'll like it. Hopefully you'll find it funny. It's a nice little piece of music. Uh, but you'll be hearing that at least at the beginning, if not at the end. Um, and yeah, do check out Free Music Archive. It's a, it's a pretty good um, uh, resource. And you can get a lot of free commercially um, usable music on there. I also um, did, well, I think that's a brilliant interview, but not on my part, but a brilliant interview with Tanya and Dave, who run the Priory Inn, and it's local to me um and i've been there a few times we we went for um, my son's birthday party i've been for a christmas dinner uh, in january <laughs> for the the works do and um basically i mean they, they were great we talked for um it's my longest interview yet we talked for an hour and they were really brilliant um and, and what was fascinating is they they were really they were happy to just really dive in and give me the detail on how they worked which was perfect that's just what i wanted um one of the things that I found particularly interesting is that they took the idea of lean manufacturing, which a lot of people think of um, uh, for, is for car makers or yes. big production environments. Old fashioned industry. Yeah, but actually they produce things. They take in raw materials, literally they're raw materials, and then they cook them and produce something else. And it's not just it's not just the food they produce, but it's also how the waiting staff move around how the management work together, how they collect feedback from customers and, and integrate that feedback back in to you know, improve the service next time. It's gr- great. Into it. I, I recommend everyone should listen to it. It's, it's really good. And I think there's a lot of tips there that can be taken forward um, for any company. Um, just if you search for, um, uh, if you go onto our website, look at the latest blog and it's, uh, it's interview, local food is good business. Um, well worth listening to. Um, and in fact, if you start, if you subscribe to this podcast, it's it's already on the same feed. Um, yeah, so I, I I really like that. I want to do more of those. So if anyone listening wants to um, have an interview with me, I'll be more than happy to come to you, and I'll bring my mic, and we'll uh, as long as you've got some good coffee, I'm happy to to ask you lots of interesting questions, which we can share with everyone. Um, yeah, very much enjoyed that. 
I'm just going to take a, a sponsor break, then we'll get back on and uh, we're going to talk about a bit more about Jack, who we haven't introduced yet, which has had a bit of banter. So I'm going to talk about Jack from uh, Cautery, who does social media marketing. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, I'm going to do my best to do a sponsorship read, which I have prepared. Um, you can tell me how well it comes out. Um, so this is for our book, Be Sociable, um, which is an easy to follow social media tips. Uh, it's got tips, strategy um, and advice to, to get noticed by the right people for the right reasons. Um, it's only four ninety nine. That's nothing. Maybe a coffee and a, a little flapjack from Starbucks, um, or maybe that uh, just a coffee would cost four ninety nine. It's available um, on iPhone, iPad, and Mac, and you can get it through the iBook Store. We are only selling it on Apple devices at the moment. Um, if there's enough demand, we could convert it into a PDF or sell it in different formats. It was written by me and a colleague of mine, Helen uh, Caldercott, who I work with on many workshops. Um, we've had a you know really a great time together doing um, a lot of social media training, being good fun. We don't do so many of those anymore, um, just because it's time to move on, but they work really well. People love those. Um, but during that time, we felt that there were tons of um, websites, videos, books, tips, how-to, discussion and argument about social media. But few of those websites or videos were concise and easy to read, and some were pretty awful. So that's why we wanted to produce it. Um, there's tips like getting a recognisable profile name, talking to Twitter as a person, um, or stalking your customers on LinkedIn. I particularly like that one. Um, so if you want to find it, uh, just search for Be Sociable Ben on Google, or you can visit our website and click on the social book link in the menu. Uh, just go and get a copy. It's only four ninety nine. There is no excuse. Right, that's the end of the pitch. Um, so, Jack, tell yes. me a little bit more about your company. So, it's Courtry. You do social media marketing. Um, yep. Tell me a little bit more about um, the sorts of clients you work with. What any cool projects you you've got on the go? And then there's a few things where we've been working together. Okay. Um, so yes, I um, started Courtry um, about. Three years ago, I think I had, we had our third birthday in I think the middle of July. Wow, congratulations! Um, and we help businesses, organisations, charities, institutions of all shapes and sizes, um, industries and sectors to use social media more effectively for their marketing. Um, so that could be from helping them understand um, social media better. Um, it could be to help them put together a strategy and make them aware of the purpose of the strategy um, and also helping them implement um, their strategy into their marketing um, plans and activities. And we do that through um, account management. And so we work with um, small businesses based in Worcestershire. Um, we work with um, people in forensic science, um, logistics, people in education. Um, we also work on Institute um, Institute of Chartered Accountants um, project with them. Um, so yes, we also help people with um, workshops, so it's sort of internal training to help them use platforms a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we would describe ourselves as an external marketing department, just specifically around mm -hmm. social media. Um, but also we help large organisations who do have a marketing department or someone responsible for marketing and they just need um, a little bit of assistance um, or some guidance. And in terms of cool projects, we've been recently working with um, Better PR, who have um, a relationship with a company called Squire, Henry Squire and Sons, mm -hmm. which are a 200-year-old 
eighth generation padlock manufacturer. Um, so they're going through a bit of a rebrand at the moment and they're looking to launch a specific um, cycle brand, um, totally different from where they've been previously. And they haven't rebranded, I think, in over about 50 years. Um, so social media and sort of digital marketing is very new to quite an established business. So that's been a challenge, but also quite fun. Um, they've got some really groovy products they've come up with, um, quite innovative products. So we're sort of getting stuck in to help them use their platforms a little bit better um, and make people aware of them under their sort of new logo and branding. So that's been quite interesting to get our teeth into. Um, we've also been helping um, the, there's a, a new forum that's come come about in Hereford called the Herefordshire Business Continuity Forum. Mm-hmm. So I've heard of that. Yeah, I met I met um, Steve, who is um, who works for Bscon Planning at actually one of our workshops, Ben, uh, one of our marketing fundamentals workshops. Um, so I've been sort of trying to help them understand how they can use Twitter and LinkedIn a little bit easier. Um, to attract people to um, their events, but also to try and explain what business continuity is, because a lot of people see those words and they either aren't interested or don't really know what they mean and how they relate to their business. So I've been helping the steering group there to use some platforms a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us more about Morels, because you've been working with um, Sue from Morels Handwriting for a while and, and you know brought us in on, on the website front. But tell us what you're doing there. I've been helping Sue Schmitz at Morales um, build her brand online. Um, she started, I think, about eight years ago with some um, quite interesting handwriting resources mm-hmm. uh, that are targeted at helping people um, either learn to write or to um, sort of like an intervention tool for poor habits or problems with handwriting. And that's aimed solely at ability. So anybody of any age, um, any age or stage of development of handwriting can pick up a resource that is targeted at their problem, which I thought was quite interesting. Because um, I can remember when I was at school, you used to go to WH Smiths and used to be a handwriting resource between six and seven. And if you didn't fit between six and That's seven, it, there was yeah. nothing for you. So I've been helping Sue um, sort of use Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for um, a variety of reasons Facebook and Twitter to um, equip parents and teachers with some knowledge and um, understand some of the problems some of the problems behind handwriting and how her handwriting resources can help them but also then to build um sue's reputation in sort of a, sort of a, a business to business community because she's trying to um build links with retailers and wholesalers for her books so we've been working with sue for about two years and um she was a total novice to social media knew that she needed to use it didn't know how um and sort of how to use it in terms of the mechanics of actually setting up profiles, sharing content, but also how in terms of why she was doing it and whether there was a need to do it. Um, I think that came down to, like I said, knowledge, but also a bit of time. So we've built up a, a great relationship with her and um, she's always been um, critical of her previous website. She It worked. Um, but she didn't know how because in her own words, it didn't look very nice. And if she came across the website, she admitted that she probably wouldn't buy from the website. But it worked because obviously the product was good. The information was good. And obviously um, it ticked boxes with potential customers. Um, and that's when, Ben, I introduced you mm. uh, 
Thank build you. the website, which we're now sort of at the end and it's all up and running. Um, yeah, it's taken a while, but I mean, that's mainly because Sue's been very busy. Um, yes. So we're working around her on that. But I, I think the new website not only displays her products better and bigger, but it's given you a better platform to yes. to do I, the, the, the writing for her. When I was, when we first met with Sue and within the first six months, and we were all around sort of, well, where do we, where do we point them? And obviously you go back to a website because that is your sort of your virtual shop front. Yeah. And as I said before, she wasn't very happy with where it was. And also uh, it's okay sort of having nice branded profiles and having the right messaging and being engaging with people. But at the ultimately you need to bring them to take them somewhere. So if we take, if we'd been really nice to them in one way and then we take them to the website and all of a sudden it's sort of, there was quite a stark contrast between the two. Yeah. Whereas now, um, the website does everything for everyone, I think. Um, and the way it appears and the way that it flows and navigates has helped me um, the world over. It made my, it's made my life in a selfish way, although I'm, I am not morels, <laughs> I should help morels. In a selfish way, it's made my life a lot easier. Um, and also now I think Sue can understand um, how um, we can introduce other areas of the overall strategy that we've either sat on because the website was poor, or um, in most cases, we're able to sort of um, increase or ramp up areas of the strategy that we've done before, but sort of only sort of dipped our toe in the water with mm -hmm. because we didn't want to sort of um, shout from the rooftops that here's our website and this is our product. And all of a sudden they'd land and go, hang on a minute, there's, there's something not right here. We ended up in the right place. Um, yeah, and I think some a lot of the work you were doing was on um, LinkedIn, the, the posts on there. And I mean, that was good. And there was some, there was some nice posts, but really they were all on LinkedIn, the, the right. main focus was on LinkedIn. So you'd still have to, once you found the post, you then have to jump to the morale site. And as you say, there was um, a discontinuity between the people being used to LinkedIn and the post. Whereas now you can have that blog post directly on the site. So yes. you can have a short, um, short message, short summary on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, wherever it needs to go. And then it brings people back to the website. So, they feel they feel they're in the right place. It's Morel's branded, so it makes sense. But also, we can take them somewhere else. We can take them to look at the books. We can promote links straight in there, and it feels yeah. much more natural um, and much more useful. We're yet to see, you know, it hasn't been long enough to see what the difference will be, but hopefully mm -hmm. it will be positive. I'd like to think so. So that's, oh, that's been right. good. And, and Sue, it, Sue, while she uh, would be the first to admit she's not open in uh, not completely comfortable with technology i think she does get it now she does yes, she, she understands does. what her customers need and the information they want and that that is really important because there's there's many people that we work with who they don't they don't quite get it they want they want things to look pretty and they want it for them whereas where sue does have a good handle on what her customers want it's yeah. not about her so much it's about her customers and i think that really helps you can tell that from obviously the conversations you are having with sue in terms of as you've worked through the project but I can see that through Sue when we're, we're when we're talking and discussing what our plans are, and what we're going to be doing, um, and how we're going to be talking about um, a certain news item, or um, how we're going to sort of push a product or help teachers understand what the product is. I can see a difference from where we were perhaps two years ago, but also over sort of the last six months when she's been focusing on the website and looking at customer journeys and personas, that when she is. Um, asking, I wouldn't say the right question. She's asking more pointed questions to me, um, which is good. Mm. 
and then at the same time she's also coming up with her own ideas because she can see what's happening either in um not through competition but within her sort of marketplace of education but also when she's seeing things just through her um her contacts and her network of um connections and people that she's aware of in other industries and sectors that they're using um certain tools or um tactics and she's able to say well i can understand how that works there how could this work here or am i right in thinking that if we do abc and that there you can i can see um i wouldn't say great progress i think that's sort of a bit of an insulting term but you can see how she understands and grasps it which like you said ben we both come in contact with um, a variety of companies and sometimes they know where their end result is or where their ultimate result is um and i find sometimes i have challenges from them how we sort of get like we have to bring them back to where they are currently and to understand how you put that journey together to get towards their ultimate goal. But I think, um, I think that's, that's our job, isn't it? I mean, it, it's easy just to say, will you pay me a set amount of money and I will do whatever you want for you, whether it's going to work or not, doesn't matter. I think it's mm -hmm. easy to do that. I think it's much more, much more difficult to say, um, to bring the client along with that, that journey with you and say, well, we are going to not only do the job that you need doing, but we're going to do the job that will best help you what we believe will help you and, and there's a lot of learning for our uh, for us as we go along that journey but also educating them you know helping them understand why why what decisions we make yes. um so that when we come to the end it's not just ta-da here it is uh, on it's you know yeah. website's live um there you go here's the handover document goodbye it's really an ongoing process so they've they started right at the beginning and mm -hmm. we've been helping them through not only understanding how the website works uh, and the marketing um aspect to that but also the fundamental you know how you edit things how you make changes i mean one of the things sue i think really liked was being able to work um have a phone call and and, and go through the changes live so we can yes we can make those changes and, and she can see how that how how the website changes rather than uh providing a list of snags and amendments and then we go back and make those changes mm -hmm. and, and then she goes no that's not quite what i wanted and yeah Sorry, it was um, it was a good process actually. So thank you very much. I think we we gave you a little treat for that referral. Much appreciated. Yes. And um, some brownies. Yeah, brownies. Yeah. That went down very well. I did. I did once uh, accidentally sent the brownies that were meant to go to a a, a referral client um, for a, as a thank you, and I accidentally sent them to our address. And I was speaking to my wife, going, "Could we keep these? <laughs> Could we just have them and order some more?" They were really nice. We didn't. We did send them on. Um, Lou wouldn't let me keep them. Um, and you're also working with Rather Inventive as a coach. We've um, yeah. we're just going through um, the process for um, one of the sort of the, the first potential clients that could go on to that. But as a coach mm -hmm. under our mini coaching program, which we're developing together, which could be is quite exciting. Um, exciting. Do you want to tell me tell 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 us a little bit more about the mini coaching and how how we feel that could work? Yes, we. I think this really was born from our um, our workshops that we've been doing, or I've been helping you with on marketing fundamentals. You were looking to bring someone in new, mm -hmm. um, actually knew each other for the last couple of years through Create and now Fastershare. Um, and it wasn't just the coaching. I feel you wanted to do something different and make it a little bit easier for people, and that's where mini coaching came up, which is quite an interesting. An interesting little project which we arrange for a 15 minute call could be a little bit more than 15 minutes because you can't get a lot done um they're all thereabouts yeah it's just something to get going we look at um 
companies' needs, wants, um, and issues. And we actually tried to come up with some um, actions that we're going to take forward sort of after the phone call, mm-hmm. uh, after the call, but also to come up with an action that possibly could actually be um, carried out or performed during the call or something that we can do quite quickly. Um, that could be something as simple as helping someone set up an account or they've got something incorrect. Um, the fact they can't log into an account or they need to change a name or some details. Mm-hmm. Um and it is to make them aware of potentially, again, where they might want to go. And the three actions or the small actions are sort of those little stepping stones to begin with um, to understand how they can do things quite simply and quickly. Um, but also to give them a little flavor of the rather inventive coaching. Um, that's right. Ultimately, we, we hope that they will find it so useful they'll want to upgrade and spend more time with us. But that's it's not it's not like it's one of these uh, products where it gives you uh, a little sample that's not good enough. I think it actually this could be good enough for a lot of people. It's a little, um, a little bit of motivation, shall we say, each month just yes. to get one thing done for a very you know low fee, really, and and just have someone who is on that journey with you. Um, yes, nurturing someone along. Yeah. Um, and also, well, not so much. Nur- yes, it is nurturing, but because it's sort of that um, quick phone call that you have to allocate the time to. It's sort of nudging people along as well to make sure that you get um, an item on your list ticked off and you move on to the next one. Um, and then also to answer any problems sort of um, in between the from one phone call to another, um, you might have had your original list of needs and wants and um, areas that you're struggling with. But in actual fact, as you move along ticking one task off at a time, um, individuals might come across other areas they need help with. Um, so it's just a hold their hand from um, one month to the next to make sure that they're progressing with um, areas of their marketing. Um, and then that way we can help them achieve sort of greater milestones because they might be aware that they might want um, a whole new website or some large scale changes to a website. But in actual fact, they don't need that just at this moment in time. Yeah, and often that's the case. They can just make small changes. And and I found even, even with some of our larger coaching clients that um, – there could be from month to month, they haven't had time to actually achieve a lot of the tasks. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, there are many businesses that that find that the day-to-day work takes up so much of the time that actually they don't have a huge amount of time to do marketing anyway. Um, I mean, what we can obviously help them carve out a bit more. If they can just move their company forward just a little bit each month, just in 15 minutes, which is actually quite a long time. We've been talking for 35 minutes now, of which uh, I'm going to cut off about five minutes now because of an intro. So we've been talking for half an hour. Um, you know, we'd probably talk these mini coaching would be between at least 15 minutes. And there's a lot if you're quite quick and concise. There's a lot you can get over in that amount of time. So it is new. This isn't a bit, a bit of an experiment. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of people will find it quite useful as just, if nothing else, it's a nudge each month just to keep turning that wheel of marketing and pushing yes. things forward a little bit more. So really looking forward to to working with you on that, Jack. And then obviously the other coaching as well. But I think this is a really good way to meet a lot of our clients that we have on, on board yes. the websites. Yes. So I'll um, this is the first introduction really publicly, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll be sending out an email to everyone on that soon. Um so hopefully that gives people a little introduction on on Jack. Um, Jack actually is working with us on the Marketing Fundamentals uh, workshops. The next one's in September. You couldn't come to the last one because your foot, so I ran that solo. I'm pretty sure it was not as good as when you were there. The, I think the banter between us is, is engaging and nothing else. Um, but yeah, so um, you can meet Jack if you come along to one of the fundamental workshops. 
Um, next one in September, visit our website, click on events, and it's there. You can book it. It's completely free, and you get a bacon sandwich. I think it's a pretty good it's deal. Good bacon sandwich. Yeah, it's very good. So it's one in Whittington in Worcester. Um, so just moving on, I want to get. I want to actually get some topics this time because we when when uh, Nick came on, he sort of uh, um, we talked a lot about ev- everything else, um, but we didn't have much time for topics. So I want to get onto a couple of those. And I've got some really good ones. The first is from. Philippa, um, who uh, was a coaching client many years ago, she uh, uh, moved down uh, to Cornwall, I believe, probably got that wrong, Cornwall or Devon, somewhere like that, and, um, you know, was starting a new life, basically, but she's she's starting a new company, and she sent me an email in response to uh, our call for questions, she's starting yeah. a new company, um, but she's not had much success on social media right now, so she's trying something new, uh, she's been told her tweets aren't very engaging. So she, her question is, what makes a tweet engaging? And she's put in brackets, apart from kittens. So I'm glad that she, she does listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, what, what do you think makes a tweet engaging? Um, in actual fact, I want to flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. And I would like to begin with what doesn't make a tweet engaging, which is obviously goes back to sort of, if you, I think if you're aware of where your problem is or where you potentially might have an issue, then you can come up with an answer rather than going, well, let's, I think I've got an issue, park it and come up with a new idea. It's a good idea, actually, yeah. What doesn't make a tweet engaging is um, when it is sales-focused or too sales-focused um, or then you're talking about yourself too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can either you can isolate that into one tweet or, more importantly, when you're sort of using social media um, quite proactively, this is when you're talking about yourself or you're very sales driven over a period of time. And I think that just turns anyone off. Um, so if it's, if there's a lots of figures and buy now and, uh, 10% off, etc., or it's very much, this is my product and it is the best in the world. Mm. And you do that over a prolonged period of time, you're probably not going to engage people and encourage them to interact with your content. Um, but what does make an engaging tweet? Um, simply adding some graphics or some images, um, some video, um, that's sort of giving someone else, um, giving your audience something extra apart from the tweet itself. Um, maybe ask people questions, um, encourage them to um, share their thoughts, ideas on a topic. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be about yourself. Again, talking about yourself may turn people off. It could be something you found quite interesting or um something that you're quite passionate about um, and you know that it could be um, a topic that people have um, some strong thoughts or ideas on. Mm-hmm. So asking people a question, encourage them to, to debate um, and share their thoughts. It's sort of, I think, to make a tweet engaging, you've got to give it, like I said before, somewhat, you've got to give your audience something else apart from the 140 characters that you're allowed to put in. Yeah. Um, you've got to give them a reason to read your information or to catch your attention. Um, and yes, you, you might focus on one tweet and um, has this got a link into some, are we going to take them somewhere else to a blog or to a web page? Um, have we shared an image of what we've been up to recently? Or you might have put together an infographic or um, a video of a customer testimonial. That's good. That's one sort of um, item ticked off off your checklist. But also, how are we going to do this over a prolonged period of time? Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Because often, I mean, I... I... I, 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 as much as I know what to do, often I'm my, my own worst enemy. And um, certainly with these podcasts, I, I understand that really you don't want to post once 
I mean, that's fine, mm -hmm. but often that will just get lost in the stream and people won't see it. Um, and really you need to have a, have a strategy of how you might get that um, uh, link to the podcast out a few different times. And, you know, as yes. I said, I, I'm my own, my own worst enemy and often time is difficult to do mm -hmm. that. But what would your strategy be, you know, to, for planning this over a period of time? Plan this over a period of time is to look at um, how many, not, not so much how many times you can use it, mm. but you've got to try and get some value out of what you've created, whether it is a podcast or a blog that you've created yourself. You've obviously invested some time and there's a reason behind that. So that's okay once you've done that and posted it on your website, where you're going to put it. It's very much, well, how do we distribute this? So that's when you look at um, who you're trying to target. Um, is it a specific geographic location? Um, because you are a small business operating in Herefordshire, Worcestershire or Gloucestershire or any other region. And perhaps look how you're going to distribute that into the right place to the right people. Um, you can do that through networking hours or through hashtag and geographic locations. Yeah, do, they, do the, the networking hours, do they, do they work well for you? Yeah, I find they work well for me and they work well for um, a number of clients, but they're also very much sort of the smaller business. Um, whether that is a business that is actually just servicing a local population, a local area, or because you are genuinely interested in the local area as a business owner or someone part of a local business, but not necessarily working in that area. Um, you do it to um, network and build your brand in that area and just essentially just to, to just to communicate with local people. Um, and I find that um, useful for very small businesses. Um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're a local business, it could def, def, yeah. definitely be useful. I just, I just sometimes, and maybe, maybe this is me uh, being jaded and getting older and a grumpy old man, but I, I, I find them some sometimes a little, um, well, the people, people I speak to, and I, I, I don't know if you do this, Jack, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of people who are posting on these hours are scheduling tweets in time for that, but not necessarily uh, are around to, to respond to that. And I'm thinking... Yeah. That's not the point. <laughs> the whole point is for everyone to be there at the same time. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, it, it, I, I understand that it's, it's a virtual networking event, really. Um, yes. For everyone to schedule tweets and sort of send their avatar in, but not actually go themselves, is um, feels and wrong to me. It, it is feel, it does wrong. It feels very staged. Mm. And it does, in terms of, yes, you are in the right place at the right time, but are you actually there yeah. if, you're, if you've sat behind a scheduling tool? So that's where I try to advise people. So you use the schedule, obviously using a scheduling tool helps you to plan your engaging tweets as long as you've got your images, videos, et cetera. In. Um, and you know that you've got the right information going out at sort of the right time. This is over the course of a, your normal working week or month yeah. um, for exhibitions or promotions. But to use them for a networking hour it is you if you um, go with the train of thought of, we need to be seen in this local local area, this local place, or a number of local places. And you might have, over your month, you might have an event that you're trying to encourage people to come along to. Um, you might have a new product or a new shop opening. So there is something actually tangible that's actually going to happen. Mm. And you need people to be seen to be, to, to be aware of that. So you would use your scheduling tool to talk about those variety of areas through that sort of that, that, at that 60 minute period just so that you know that you're talking about all the key areas so you haven't got to worry about sitting there at eight o'clock at night on a Monday or a Tuesday, tapping away quite frantically on your keyboard and thinking, right, okay, we're going to get lost with the interaction here, but I haven't actually shared the link. So you use the scheduling tool to post maybe a number two or three tweets about three key areas, 
but that allows you then to actually interact yourself um, with the interactions that are coming back in or the engagement that are coming back in from the tweets that you've scheduled, but also to go and share thoughts, comment, um, ask questions of other people that are participating. Yeah, that makes sense. So it gives you the freedom by, by thinking about it. Because yeah. the whole thing you want to sit on there is, there, there are two reasons, to share your information, which the scheduling tool is doing, but the second point is to actually engage with people, which then encourages engagement with yourself. So through that 60 minute period, if you know that you've got the right information going out at the right time um, with links to sign up forms or um, videos, anything that you want to share. Yeah. But then you're aware that you can then if you see something interesting that you can interact with that. Um, but you do you do get a lot of um you do see a lot of people that have simply just used a scheduling tool. Yeah, and that just seems like it's adding adding noise to it. And you mm -hmm. mentioned scheduling tool. Which, which one do you use? We use Buffer uh, um, broadly. I personally use um, Sprout Social. Sprout, yeah, um, I've not, I'm not, I've not got into that. I was in the workshop in the Buster Business Workshop in um, in Gloucester on Friday, and um, that that question came up in terms of what do you use, um, just to understand different things. And there was quite an interesting question which I've never been asked before. And by a gentleman that's never used social media, but is going to and needs to schedule because he's lack of time. Um, and he said, what's the difference between everything? And I actually sat there and thought, hmm, that's a good question. And I said, on the whole, everyone, every platform does sort of everything in terms of looking at reports, um, ease of use to add um, links and shorten links, images, and sort of put together sort of your content calendar. But actually, I thought, well, hang on. The only reason I'm using Sprout Social is something that I sort of um, – it was the first scheduling platform that I encountered when I set out to do this, I don't know, about four or five years ago whilst I was at university. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really used anything since apart from Hootsuite, and that's simply because it's sort of um, habit in a way. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Sprout. It's quite simple to use. But I don't think it's any different or better than any other. Um, I, think there's, I think there's a blog post in that, um, Jack, analysing the difference between them. Okay. I'd like I'd, I'd I'd certainly like to know. I mean, we use Buffer because yeah. uh, I find it the easiest thing just to chuck in posts, whether they come from a blog um, that's been posted on the website, and that gets automatically put into Buffer, or I go on there and put the stuff in. And the key feature for me is I don't I have preset times when they go out, but I don't need to schedule them. They just sit in this hopper, really, posts in yeah. a big hopper, and they drip out on social media preset yes. times. And um, yeah, I know when they are, and I can go and. Um, other people can preview them if they if they need to, and I think certainly to get people going, it's really good. I think um, I've had a client who who was saying, "Do we need to keep using Buffer because we we want to use Hootsuite?" And I said, "No, you don't. You don't need to keep using Buffer. We can exactly. disable all that. You use Hootsuite, manage it all because they they had a dedicated person for okay, yes, for that's exactly what what I said to um, someone else that came in with the second question. It's very much. If you're um, if you if you haven't used the scheduling tool or you're about to use social media for the first time or begin to use it and you think um, a, a sort of a third party platform is going to help you, it's very much go and try um, a number of them yeah. um, see which fits which fits you. Um, firstly, for ease of use or for the features that and what you perceive as the benefit benefits over one um, over another, go and ha go and have a dabble and have a go at them. Um, because I've come across that before. I've said, well, well, what we're going to do for this point is I'm going to be using my Sprout Social's paid for. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a, a free um, no. option. 
like some of the others. Um, so if I'm helping a client to get up and running, I might use Sprout, and then we're going to be show when I have a sort of a catch-up meeting, I show them the dashboard and explain everything what's gone on, and they go, oh, that's great, can we use it? Yes, you can use it for yourself when we move everything over because we're just trying to get them up and running and um, get them to a stage where they can help themselves. But it's paid for. And they go, all right, okay. Yeah. So what do we do? Like, ah, okay. So that's when I said, well, use this time now. We're going to look after your platforms at the moment. You, 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 you're in some, some, some safe hands and you know what's happening with the scheduling tool. Use this time now just to float about and see which fits you best. Um, yeah. It is, it's tricky. Like a lot of applications, it's, it's which one works. Um, yeah. Moving on, I've got another question here. So hopefully, Philippa, that answers the question for you. Uh, if not... Uh, Write me an email. <laughs> Let us know. We'll, we'll have another stab at it. Um, so here's another one. Um, I, I don't have a name for this, but I, I was asked it a little while ago. Um, and we've been holding on to this one as our other topics have been so good. But what does it mean when someone endorses you on LinkedIn? And and if someone does, should you endorse them back? Mm. Now, this... we, I, when I mentioned this to Jack, he said, well, he's got some things to say about endorsements. So this off you go. Is, um... I make it very clear. This is a matter of my own personal opinion, <laughs> and these, I don't try to. These words uh, are my own. Yeah. Um, endorsements um, for me, on the whole, are empty. On the whole, because as people will know, if they're using LinkedIn, you'll receive endorsements from a lot of people that you don't genuinely know. Um, they do have there, there's there's blogs and um, case studies out there that endorsements do have some weighting and some power in terms of your overall profile and how it can appear in search for different search terms or mm. job criteria. But if we boil this down to what actually is an endorsement and why you should endorse someone, you endorse them for a skill or something that you personally have experienced from the individual you're going to endorse. Um, there's many a time when I see a little notification come up on my LinkedIn app on my phone and I go, oh, that's interesting. Who's been looking at my profile or what's been going on? And it'll say that Joe Bloggs has endorsed you for um, time management or project management. And in actual fact, the only reason I know that person is because they came along to a workshop or I met them at a networking event or they simply um, someone, a face that I know and I talk to when I'm out and about. How would they know whether I'm any good at time management? Or yeah, project? and that's that's and that where I think be... it it falls down because I I love the idea of endorsements. Yes. I do think it's a good idea. I just think many people use it badly, um, and it's it is I nice when do... people genuinely say, "I think you're good at X or Y." Correct. It's yes. the people who come across and use it as a way of getting in touch with you and some um, uh, almost using it as a way of flattering you to to contact or, them. Then going back to the question. That the individual that endorse you are actually doing it too. You could, but sometimes comes to the conclusion in order for you to then go and endorse them. Yeah. So to answer the question, I would only go and I wouldn't go and repeat or sort of um, reply to an endorsement by endorsing someone else for either the same criteria, the same um, phrase or um, job area. Um, I. If someone endorses you, that's perfectly fine. Whether they know you or not, ideally, you'd like your clients or people that you work with your colleagues yeah, to endorse. You want them to be genuine, them. really. But you know, it's, in it's... terms of people actually individuals endorsing others, I would only go and endorse, do exactly the same. If, for instance, I know I've worked with Ben, and I know Ben 
um, from a variety of different areas, from workshops to um, working on website development and the coaching. If for some instance, on when I go into LinkedIn, it suggests that I should endorse Ben for website development, because I actually know Ben, and I've also worked with them on projects. Yes, I'd be inclined to do it because it's, it's genuine. I'd only endorse someone if you know them and if it's genuine and you um, you have experienced or have a knowledge of um, an individual doing or um, yeah carrying out some sort of task. Yes, that you, you have to. I think you have to have knowledge of it, experience of it, or well, that's it. I, I don't think there's you. Can, right. You can't guess. I mean, there's people I know well where it comes up saying you'd like to endorse them for project management. And I haven't experienced them with a project uh, management. Even my own brother, um, yes. who runs an engineering firm, there's something that came up, would you endorse him for X? I can't remember what it was. And I go, well, yeah. no, because I, I, I've not, I, I think that's untrue. And I think, I think in some ways that could be him not understanding, or, and I see this a lot, a lot of people don't understand what their skills are and yes. what, what they should put as skills, because that's yeah. where the endorsements come from. It's based on the skills you say you have. Um, and to pick up on that in terms of not understanding and then also people endorsing sort of an empty endorsement, should we call that? Yes. I noticed actually yesterday I had an endorsement from um, an individual that should remain nameless. And I can't actually <laughs> remember what she was endorsing me for because it wasn't actually true. Being amazing, uh, probably. Hopefully. Um, but in actual fact, when I went in, um, LinkedIn, I think, are, are understanding this. And I think this will obviously be some feedback from users. Um, it actually asked me to rate how true this endorsement was or how oh, true I thought the endorsement yeah, that's new then, yeah. and I thought right okay this is this is LinkedIn picking up on something so I don't know what they would change or how they envisage to police this or to make it more effective to have some more waiting um, but obviously there's a it was the first time I noticed it was yesterday and they're asking me to I can't remember what the rating system was I think it gave you three or four options um, which I Julie replied to say that really this wasn't true because I don't actually know this person. Um, and I hope it carries, I hope they're not just testing it. I hope it's something they're going to roll out. Um, yeah, I do. Because the, cause the, idea is re the, the idea is really good. And I think if they can just find a way of making it so it's genuine, it'd be, it'd be better. Yeah. Um, another, thanks for that, Jack. Another one on LinkedIn. Um, and this was actually asked by John at the workshop you weren't able to come to um, okay. and run. Because no normally Jack runs the, the uh, fundamentals workshops. Um, and it was a guy, John Johnson, who I'd met through, he's actually a counsellor, a Hereford counsellor, but he came through the Faster Business Programme as well. And he 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 liked my uh, the way my LinkedIn profile is quite personal. Uh, I think the particular uh, extract he gave me was how I don't work weekends and that, that, that time is for my um, children or my wife bossing me around. No, I don't actually put, put that in there. Um, and he, 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 he was wondering how personal should you get on LinkedIn? Yes. I mean, I, 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 I get as personal as I, I have no qualms about being personal in terms of sort of giving an overview, but I'm not going to tell people exactly, you know, what I'm doing. What doing. Personally. Yes, correct. I agree. Um, how personal? I think it's important to remember this is a business to business platform. Yeah. It's a professional platform. Um, but also people, the, the, yes, it's business to business and very professional, but People actually want to know who you are. Mm. Um, you are using this as a personal platform, a personal profile. It is your first name, last name, and your picture, um, which is key to putting together a, a solid profile. Mm. You've got to remember, people want to get, if they're going to connect with you, although, or they're genuinely using it, if we go back to genuinely doing things on LinkedIn, unlike endorsements, 
um, people want to get to know you, what you're interested in a little bit, and perhaps understand your personality and the way that you work. But I would totally disagree. It is not Facebook. People that you hear the people um, describe it as when people don't, when they ask, well, I don't know what LinkedIn is. LinkedIn is. I describe it as um, Facebook for business, which in some ways, okay, that's. I see uh, where they're coming from, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat it exactly like that. In the in terms of talking about personality and how personal you get, there is a, a huge contrast between the two. You do not do um, probably. The majority of things that you may share or post on Facebook, you wouldn't do that on LinkedIn. Um, so it's striking yes, that balance, isn't it? It's striking it the balance because, as you said, people want to see your personality because ultimately that's generally what we're buying. Right. Um, and especially and I think it gives you, yes, yeah, and it gives you an opportunity to shine. You know, rather than just putting your a dull profile of what you do at the you know i think you can salesy messages that's not what i want to know i want a bit of personality um which again goes back to the engaging tweet question as well Mm -hmm. you need to be engaging um and yes you can concentrate on your corporate messaging and how you're going to engage with that but ultimately humans are actually nosy creatures um we want to know what's going on but we want to know what's going on in your business life on LinkedIn. I think then also that comes down to, um, it's totally down to personal preference, how far you go with that. Yeah, I think, I I think there's, I think you're interested about how far you go because, um, I, I have a video diary that I record. It's, I don't publish it anywhere. It's just for me. And it's just, it's a, a way of helping me keep sane really by talking to myself, talking out problems, ideas, things I'm excited about, things that work well and so on. Just for me really to look back on and, and laugh mm-hmm. at maybe in a couple of years time. Um, but actually some people will publish that. Some people will put it on YouTube and, and they'll have a very open diary. And it'd be, it'd be interesting maybe in another um, uh, episode that we could tackle uh, how personal you should you should be actually on all on all media, not just LinkedIn. Yeah. How, how, how interesting, because I, I think sometimes the more personal you can be, you might actually be able to... Grab a niche audience who are very yes. interested in you and how you deal with things. And I have, yes. a, a, you know, certainly this podcast is there's personal elements that come out into it, and I oh. think that that is in. I find that interesting on other podcasts, and hopefully other people will find it interesting. But I mean, I think that could be quite an interesting debate to pick up on at some point. But for now, we have to finish. We're coming up to the hour mark. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that. I think that's that's quite helpful getting your opinion on this, not just mine um where can we listening to your opinions too um because you come across a lot of people that either don't have an opinion on how you use social um or you have people that have shaped opinions that are based on uh, other sort of preconceptions of social yes which does um, make sense yeah it's an opinion so it's not right and it's not wrong yeah it's, it's their opinion yeah. <laughs> um Correct. Where can we find you online, Jack? Where are the best online, places to look for you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Quartry SMS. Um, we have a website, Quartry.co.uk, and also on LinkedIn, Jack McQuartry. Um, all search for Quartry and be able to find me pretty easily. Yeah, and it took me uh, just on that on the Quartry. Your your name is Jack McQuartry. It took me a while <laughs> to to realise why Don't your company worry, is, is not, named yeah. Quartry. I have, spelled differently. Uh, there are two particular friends that I've been great friends with for probably now 10 to 15 years. And it took them 
uh, a good 12 to 18 months to understand what the connection <laughs> was, which I was very disappointed. I'm about. slow to get there, but I get there. Um, so if you want to meet Jack and me, come along to one of our workshops. They are limited. We, we have about a maximum of eight to 10 people. We're quite small, quite friendly. We uh, get a lot done in about a, a, an hour and a half to two. Um, next one is in September. Visit ratherinventive.com. Click on events and book that there. It's free. As I said, bacon sandwich. Good fun. Um, we talk about marketing and run through the 10 fundamentals of. Um, and just to wrap up on the sponsor. So this is the Be Sociable book that uh, Helen and I wrote. It's only $4.99. Go and get a copy. Um, I'm, I, I won't guarantee that you'll find it useful, but I'm pretty sure that even if you're a, a pro, a seasoned pro, there'll be a couple of things in there that you'll um, you'll be able to take away from it and find useful, and it'll be absolutely worth the money. Search Be Sociable Ben on Google um, or visit our website. Click on Social Book in the menu and go get a copy there. Jack, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. And I'm now, um, through the magic of editing, I'm going to play the outro tune and we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Thank you very much.